Good morning. Uh, thank you for incorporating this last section of notes into your notes. Um, this will conclude our discussion of imperialism, about imperialism. And uh, we're going to be finishing up with Asia, um, Southeast Asia, bounce over to Southwest Asia, and then um, back again to East Asia. So a little, little quick little circle. So first and foremost, I want to hit up on Indochina. Indochina is uh, essentially Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Uh, the French took over that section of the world um, directly. If you look at a map real quick for me, directly east of French Indochina is Thailand. Thailand remained independent. And directly east of Thailand is Burma or Myanmar today. And that is a British colony. So if you, and then if you hop over, you'll see India. So Britain had India and Burma, Thailand is independent, and then France had Indochina. If we bounce up to Afghanistan, uh, if you can find Afghanistan on a map, Afghanistan became a strategic conflict between the Russians and the Brits. Um, we refer to this as the Great Game. And um, the Brits wanted that territory to build a, that's a political cartoon you're looking at, by the way a um, railroad and then Russia of course is always interested in access to warm water ports uh, Afghanistan is referred to as the graveyard of empires this is extremely important I'm going to bring this up again in May uh, it's very easy to go into Afghanistan however the topography of Afghanistan is very very challenging and uh, it's very very difficult to get out um, I forgot we're also going to America today the other political cartoon you're looking at is President Roosevelt. President Roosevelt um, issued the Roosevelt Corollary, which is kind of like an extension of the Monroe Doctrine. Um, he famously said, speak softly and carry a big stick. Um, he also introduced, um, this is Teddy Roosevelt, by the way, he also introduced the building of the Panama Canal. The Panama Canal will remain in American possessions for almost 100 years. All right, let's go to Japan. If you recall, we talked about Japan a few months ago. And, um, you know, a little bit about Japan. Um, I think it's worth noting that of all of the countries that had to pay tribute to China, uh, Japan never did. Um, uh, in 1590, uh, Toyotomi Hadoshi, he unified Japan and brought more than a hundred years of civil conflict to a close and he announced um, this large vision of building the world's largest army and extending up the Korean Peninsula and then taking over China um, when he told this to the Korean uh, emperor at the time the Korean emperor was like dude yeah you probably don't want to do that um, because the, the Chinese will come at you with the force. Um, he did. He marched right up the, the Korean Peninsula, got to Pyongyang, which is in the north, and was stopped by the entrance of the Chinese. Um, very, very similar to the Korean War, which happened after World War II. We'll talk about that later. So what's left in what's in Japan is basically, um, you know, the Daimo, it's the samurai, it's um, kind of they're feudal, hierarchical. Um, it's becoming more of a secular country, um, which of course is very important to industrialization. Um, schools were extended to ordinary people, 
Um, these schools included Dutch studies. Um, they were called Terra Kohoyev, and basically included just you know the liberal arts studies, and again extended to all, 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 all people. Big big event occurred in fifteen uh, eighteen fifty three. An American Commodore Matthew Perry arrived um, at Tokyo, and he um, basically. Um, had four massive naval boats, and he was dispatched from Virginia, basically um, with a letter from the president of America, um, Millard Fillmore. And uh, basically, uh, our president was insisting on delivering directly to um, trade and connecting with the Japanese. Um, The president even referred to the emperor as his quote-unquote great good friend. Japan at this time, if you recall, was a completely closed country, and so um, this this was a huge violation. However, they recognized their um, inability to go up against the American gunboats. Um, shortly after uh, um, uh, Matthew Perry left, Japan did plummet into a civil war, and you got under you got to understand. Um, there, there was a pushback to industrialize, right? Because uh, if you're industrializing, you industrialize your army. What's the point of a samurai? So there is there is pushback. However, in 1868, a new emperor is chosen. His name is Emperor Meiji. It's very very important. This is called the Meiji Restoration, and it's a complete a complete reform of Japan from social to political to military. If you remember that Jap- history of Japan, that short pretty funny uh, video on YouTube and you know during that part he's saying you know Japan basically does everything Western and so by 1889 there is a new constitution it resembles very much like um, the West Um, one thing that is um, a little different Japan from America is everyone is required to um serve in the military for at least three years. And that's really important because if you think, you know, we're about to go into um, the world wars. And so that's, I think, important to make note of. Um, I'm including the oath of the Meiji Restoration. If there's five parts, I just want you to take a look at it. Um, And let me know if you have any questions. But um, what I want to end with that's just really remarkable is... um, just the speed that Japan is able to completely transform itself. Um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna enter it, it, in my opinion, it's, 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 it enters the Westphalian system beautifully. Um, whether or not Japan wanted to, it did, um, much with much greater ease than other Asian countries. Um, it enters the Westphalian system as an equal. Uh, it's going to join an alliance in 1902 or 1908 with with England. Um, I think that's really, really, really fascinating. Um, last, you know, imperialism results. Basically, um, you know, there's writers that argued that imperialism only benefited the wealthy, um, and I think you could you could argue for that. Um, you know, if you think of the 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 massive economic gap that occurred with industrialization, think of now with um, 
colonization, right? Um, we also go into what's known as third world countries, right, or developing countries. And there is a global uh, pattern of uneven development. Um, however, um, on, on a good note, you know, the, the world is completely connected economically. And you, can, you could definitely, I hope you can agree that the world is getting flatter and flatter because of colonization. And there, so many people are connected. Um, soccer and 8K47s um, <laughs> are two um, physical results of colonization. Um, you know, a soccer is, was an, an, England, an English imperialist activity. Uh, soccer was born in um, English public schools and spread. Um, you know, it's, it's a cheap sport to play. All you need is a ball. And if you don't have a, you know expensive Nike ball, you can make a ball. Um, uh, countries that opposed English rule did not like soccer. So if you look at today, soccer is not the number one sport in America or India. So that's a fun fact for you. However, there is a, you know, with immigration around the world, there is... Um, a definite emergence of soccer. I believe the MLS was was born here in America in 1994. I could be wrong. Anyway, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye.